Just a note before we jump into this episode, this episode does deal with conversations around suicide and may be triggering for some listeners. Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. It was 1959 and Elizabeth Taylor was the world's most beautiful woman when her famous best friend Debbie Reynolds called her hotel room. Only when Debbie dialed Liz's number, Liz didn't pick up. Debbie's husband, Eddie Fisher, did. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Michelle Andrews, welcome back to part two for our Elizabeth Taylor series. This is our second and final episode and my goodness, what a ride. We have a lot of marriages to still get through, guys. We're not even halfway there. And like last week, guys, as we said, we will try to keep it as clear as possible. We know with these episodes (laughs) there are many characters, many husbands, but we will try to keep it as clear as possible Last week, Mish, we learned that Liz went from child star to becoming the world's most beautiful woman very quickly and almost very seamlessly. And much Mm. of that came down to the fact that, as she said, she was a child in a woman's body. Yeah, and that wasn't without its complications. We also had some pretty gross men in Hollywood allegedly take advantage of that, which unfortunately is quite commonplace for women of that era, which is really heartbreaking, actually. We also covered her first marriage, an abusive marriage to Nikki Hilton, heir to the Hilton Hotel Fortune, which ended on their honeymoon. Yeah, it didn't last very long at all, did it? Followed by her much more gentle sounding marriage to Michael Wilding. Normal. I mean, married couple have two kids. Everything was quite traditional and looked like it was going to be quite idyllic until Liz then had an affair split up with Michael Wilding and then fell in love with a man by the name of Mike Todd. Mike Todd was not the conventional man that Michael Wilding was. No, and he ended up dying very tragically in a plane accident. So that's kind of where we left off, right? We left last week in a bit of a cliffhanger. We said that it was 1959, Liz is away, her best friend Debbie Reynolds is missing her. She dials Liz's hotel room for a phone call. Only Liz doesn't answer the phone. Her husband, Eddie Fisher, does. We're going to rewind to precisely that day. So, Mish, this was essentially the moment that Debbie Reynolds realised that her husband, Eddie Fisher, the singer, Eddie Fisher, had been sleeping with her best friend. Yeah, really complicated because, as we know, Elizabeth Taylor was in the midst of grief. She had just lost her husband. And in that grief, as a way to soothe that grief, began sleeping with and falling in love with her late husband's best friend. Yeah, and Debbie Reynolds, what we found and what you guys will find is she said very little over the course Mm. of the decades about this affair. One of the main interviews that she gave was actually in 2010, so not long ago at all. And she said, looking back on this moment, she told the Daily Mail, suddenly a lot of things clicked into place. I could hear Liz's voice asking him who was calling. They were obviously in bed together. I yelled at him, roll over, darling, and let me speak to Elizabeth. She went on, I was the last to find out about the affair. There had been hints in the papers, and I had noticed that when I turned up at functions or parties on my own, my friends were whispering. I can't even imagine this. Like anyone who has an unfaithful husband is bad enough, let alone when you have the layers of a husband cheating on you with your best friend who you've been friends with for most of your life, and then add in the layer of fame 
and public attention and all of the media trying to report this as well. Yeah, 100%. After they were caught out, Debbie said that Eddie rushed home, but not to apologise, but to tell her that he had fallen in love with Elizabeth and that he wanted a divorce. Mm. Debbie apparently wasn't initially very much into the idea of a divorce. I mean, according to the Daily Mail interview, he went up to her and said, I'm sorry, Elizabeth and I are in love and I want a divorce. Debbie replied, if you marry her, she will throw you out within 18 months. Yeah, she did explain, I was very religious, so I didn't believe in divorce. But Eddie and Liz laid guilt on me that I was keeping them and true love apart. So I finally let Eddie off the hook. This was the biggest celebrity story of its time, easily. I mean, it's why we wanted to do this scandal series because this very much became, this part of the story became the juiciest tabloid story that anyone could possibly imagine, right? Mm. I mean, in Debbie Sun's 2018 memoir called My Girls, A Lifetime with Carrie and Debbie, he recalled it as being one of Hollywood's biggest, most notorious scandals and called the period an insane tabloid feeding frenzy. Yeah, in that memoir he wrote, the world was stunned. Eddie and Elizabeth were vilified. Eddie was declared a philandering, opportunistic loser and Elizabeth was labelled a bad girl, homewrecking slut. Debbie, the good girl, the innocent, unsuspecting victim and single mum, was globally embraced with love and sympathy. Now, I wonder if you'll agree with me on this one, Zara, because we're about to read out some quotes about how Eddie's career was really decimated by this scandal. I'm surprised that Eddie's career struggled when Elizabeth Taylor's didn't, given this was an era when you would think that slut shaming would be at its absolute peak and that a man would kind of be lauded as the playboy bad boy for walking out on his wife, whereas a woman would be a home-wrecking slut, like that quote said. Yeah, it makes me think a couple of things. Firstly, that Elizabeth Taylor's stardom was almost too great to eclipse by an affair. Mm. I think the other part about this is I wonder if even in 1959 there was some concession for the fact that her last husband had died and perhaps she was grieving. Like Mm. I do wonder if that played some sort of role. What is so interesting is, as we said, Debbie Reynolds wasn't publicly angry or bitter. In 1983, she did an interview with People magazine where she said, I never felt bitter about Elizabeth. A man doesn't leave a woman for another woman unless he wants to go. You know, when Mike Todd died, I sent Eddie to help Elizabeth. I don't think she ever really loved Eddie. He was quite an interim interest during her mourning period. This quote to me feels quite ahead of its time in the early 80s. For a woman to say she didn't lead him astray like a man doesn't leave if he doesn't want to leave. Yeah, I adore Debbie Reynolds for saying that. I cannot imagine the strength it would take to be so dignified and respectful when you have been disrespected to that level. Like anyone who's been cheated on, I feel like, has this fury within them and I don't hold any grudges if they want to unleash that fury publicly. For her to hold herself in the way that she did and not even speak on it for so long. Like that quote that you just read out was 1983. This all happened in 1959. Just unparalleled levels of personal strength and personal resolve to say, I am going to be dignified with how I handle this. Just completely remarkable. According to The Hollywood Reporter, years down the track, Reynolds also observed, Liz went through her younger years of just obtaining what she wanted. Later in life, she became a little more aware of other people's feelings. Mm, Goes without saying, Debbie Reynolds and Eddie Fisher did get a divorce and the day the divorce was finalised, He and Elizabeth Taylor got married. Liz was 29 years old, Eddie was 31, and they were newlyweds. Yeah, exactly. So the two married at a synagogue in Las Vegas on May 12, 1959. So this all happened pretty quickly. That is only five months in the year of 1959 for this affair to be uncovered and for the two to be married. It was a typical Jewish ceremony, Mitch. Liz wore a stunning green silk dress with a hood. Yeah, she actually converted to Judaism shortly before this wedding as well. According to the Washington Post, she had considered converting before marrying Mike Todd, her third husband, but she only began studying with a rabbi after Mike Todd died in that plane crash. Yeah, according to Vogue, Eddie said of the wedding, as usual, Elizabeth was late for her own wedding. We were married under the chuppah, a canopy, and as is traditional, at the end of the ceremony, I stomped on a wine glass. Yeah, now interestingly, we did tease this out earlier. Elizabeth Taylor's career was not 
injured by this scandal whatsoever. Whereas Eddie Fisher's career, despite being a newlywed and having all of the publicity and the furore around that, plummeted. Yeah. So his son told Yahoo Entertainment about the backlash. There was outrage. My dad had like contracts cancelled for morality causes. It literally ruined his career. I mean, it just wiped him out. Liz kind of came out a little better, sort of unscathed. Yeah. Her star really did soar around this time. Straight after she had finished filming Cat on a Hot Tin Roof in 1958, she went on to star in Butterfield 8. It was one of the last films, in fact, the last film that she worked on under that big contract with MGM. Yeah, so this was kind of the last film that she had basically no say in, not mm. much power at all as well. In that film, Liz played a Manhattan core girl who fell for a married man. And it actually turned out to be one of the biggest films of Liz's career. Her performance won her her first Oscar for Best Actress in 1961. Yeah, interestingly, she actually almost didn't make it to the awards show to receive that first Oscar six weeks before the ceremony. She was hospitalised and had an emergency tracheotomy in London. They had to cut into her neck and insert a ventilator. So it goes without saying, she was incredibly, incredibly unwell. She was overcome with pneumonia. She was losing consciousness. She nearly died. Yeah, headlines did proclaim at the time that she was close to her death. Some actually even said that she died. When she woke up in the London clinic, she found herself surrounded by flowers and fan mail and newspaper write-ups. And she later said, I had the chance to read my own obituaries. They were the best reviews I'd ever gotten. Yeah, I think as well, this kind of folded into this huge level of sympathy for Liz Taylor, right? Like this is a woman who, yes, has made mistakes. Yes, has done something awful by her best friend in Debbie Reynolds, but also went through the insurmountable grief of losing a husband unexpectedly and then almost died and was incredibly, incredibly unwell. So according to the New York Times, Liz and others felt like the Oscar was given to her more out of sympathy for her illness than in appreciation of her acting. Even Vanity Fair wrote in a profile in 2011, she won what even she recognised was a sympathy best actress Oscar. Yeah, what is hilarious about this story is it seems very widely regarded as a sympathy Oscar. Yeah. That she nearly died, that public sentiment was in her favour and she got the <laughs> Oscar. She did tell Life magazine in that piece that we've been quoting a lot through the course of these episodes, I really believe that whole lives can have turning points. Mine came during my marriage to Eddie when I got so sick with pneumonia and almost died five times. I had been living ever since Mike's death with something deeply desperate within me. I was hoping to be happy, pretending to be happy, but I was in this indulgent lethargy, being consumed by self-pity instead of being grateful and glad over how lucky I was. I think my subconscious allowed me to become that ill in the first place. So is she saying almost this guilt over over how she behaved was internalised and manifested in illness. It's interesting. It's like that or she needed a wake-up call of some yeah. form, like that she was so consumed by self-pity and by almost a little bit of self-hatred. I don't know yeah. if I'm reading into that too much. I mean, she went on to say, when I came to, it was like being given sight, ears, touch, sense of colour. Like I was, I don't know, 29 years old, but had just come out of my own womb. I'm afraid I wanted more in my life than what I had. Mm, Butterfield was Liz's last film for MGM. Her contract with the production company had finally come to an end after so, so long. She was finally able to choose and have a say in the projects that she performed in. The very first one she picked, Zara McDonald, was quite the stellar golden pick. In fact, it was Cleopatra. Yes, Cleopatra. So filming in Cleopatra actually started towards the end of 1961 in Rome. Elizabeth was obviously starring as the Queen of Egypt and opposite her was a guy by the name of Richard Burton who was playing Cleopatra's lover, Mark Antony. Yeah, so a timeline check. By this point, Liz had been with her fourth husband, Eddie Fisher, for a little over two years. So keep in mind that timeline that Debbie Reynolds gave to her husband before he left her for his best friend. She said, Liz will dump you after 18 months. We're currently just under the two-year mark. Yeah, exactly. And on Cleopatra, Elizabeth Taylor was very famously 
the first actress to ever be paid a million dollar salary. Speaking about this to Life magazine, she said, getting paid a million dollars for films truly started out as a joke. One day, Walter Wanger called and Eddie Fisher answered the phone. Walter said he wanted me to play Cleopatra. I thought the idea was ridiculous and said to Eddie, tell him I'd do it for a million dollars. You know, ha ha. Walter said, okay, that's an idiotic amount to be paid. Yeah, this movie took so long to film and produce and it cost the company, 20th Century Fox, so much money it almost bankrupted them. I mean, not surprising, it cost them almost $40 million, which for the 1960s, <laughs> early 1960s, is just wild. It's so much money for them. I mean, it's so much money for now, but you put it into context of the 1960s. Yeah. It becomes insane. Insane. The film was finally released in 1963 was actually a bit of a cinematic disappointment, apparently. It did become legendary, though, Zara, for what was happening behind the scenes. Yes, it became legendary for the off-screen affair between Elizabeth Taylor and her co-star, Richard Burton. So who is Richard Burton at this point in time? Richard Mish was actually renowned as one of the most naturally gifted actors of his era. He was known for his roles in Shakespearean plays in particular. So she was this massive movie star and he was this incredibly acclaimed theatre performer. Yeah, he was this highbrow theatre performer. And while his star was nowhere near as big as Elizabeth Taylor, I mean, he was paid $250,000 for his role in the film, he definitely thought a lot of himself reportedly. Like from all reports around this time, he had something of a big ego. Yeah, it also wasn't the first time that Richard and Elizabeth had met. Richard reportedly first saw Liz in 1953, so about 10 years before the film was released, attending a Hollywood party. Now, an excerpt of his diary, which was published in a book called Furious Love, which was a book all about the relationship between Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. He wrote that a girl sitting on the other side of the pool lowered her book, took off her sunglasses and looked at me. She was so extraordinarily beautiful that I nearly laughed out loud. She was unquestioningly gorgeous. She was a dark, unyielding largesse. She was, in short, too bloody much. A dark, unyielding largesse. I don't actually know what that means. <laughs> I love that some of the things from decades ago, like the vernacular and the verbiage that people use, is just worlds apart from what we actually use in the way that we talk now. Now, apparently when they locked eyes across this party in 1953, the feelings were not reciprocated on Lizard's end. She was 21 at the time and according to the book Furious Love, she found Richard Burden to be this swaggering and vulgar figure rather than unquestioningly gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, and she did actually choose to ignore him at that party. I mean, according to biographer Melvin Bragg, Richard, as Mish said, was a little bit arrogant and a little bit I'm above this role and I'm above this co-star because mm. I'm a real actor when he first began working with Elizabeth. Yeah, soon enough, though, something changed. The feelings that their characters, Richard Burden's character and Elizabeth Taylor's character in Cleopatra, the feelings they had for each other in the dialogue kind of seemed to filter into real life. According to Vanity Fair, during one kissing scene on set, Elizabeth Taylor could not stop making out with Richard Burden. They literally had to keep yelling cut to actually get them to step away from each other. Yeah, from then on, they were reportedly inseparable. I mean, apparently they used to sneak off to Burton's dressing room for midday quickies. <laughs> and the book Furious Love does include some of the love letters he wrote her during this time. <laughs> you have to read this out. Which included lines like, the inside of your thighs and your baby bottom and your giving lips. <laughs> I retire. What lips is he referring to? <laughs> oh, yuck. No, I think her, her, her mouth lips. Oh my I'm God. done. Liz was madly in love. She did write in her memoir later, I've always admitted that I'm ruled by my passions, no shit, and I can't pretend that I didn't know what I was doing when I became involved with Richard. By February that year, rumours started to circulate and the press really started to cotton on that Liz and Richard were having a sexual and romantic affair. Vanity Fair wrote of that time, word got out fast, even before Fisher knew anything was going on. It's a little bit hard to nut down exactly how Eddie Fisher found out about this affair. I mean, there are a couple of different takes on this. One article does say that a friend of Eddie's gave him the heads up 
and he asked Liz directly who then confessed to the affair. Eddie had hoped that he and Liz could actually move past it, but as he later said in 1991, she was with him and I wasn't there anymore. But there's another story, Mish. Yeah, another story that's juicier than that one. According to Furious Love, apparently Eddie Fisher called home one day only to have Richard Burden answer the phone. Eddie asked him, what are you doing in my house? And apparently Richard replied, what do you think I'm doing? I'm fucking your wife. A little bit of a coincidence to have an affair be exposed when he was married to Debbie Reynolds over the phone. And then only a few short years later, two short years later, have the same thing happen to him with another man. Yeah, and what I think might be likely here is that both of these stories are true, that Mm -hmm. he had been told that there was an affair, he confronted Elizabeth, he was trying to work through it with her and then called the phone and Richard Burton answered the phone. And it makes more sense. If Richard Burton knows that Eddie knows, you're able to be a bit more brazen rather than just revealing the, the affair over the phone for the first time. Yeah. I know this might be a really obvious question or like a very simplistic one. Why didn't Elizabeth Taylor just end marriages before she started getting with other people? Like, if you want to go marry eight people, if you want to have all these marriages and all these husbands, I get it. Whatever. Why all of the affairs, though? Like, just end one relationship before you get into another one. Yeah, probably because there were kids involved, I reckon, or some sense of stability. I mean, you don't want to psychoanalyse her too much because (laughs) Lord knows why. But I think there must be something about the element of comfort of going home to a home and to a partner. I mean, when this went public, the Italian press went wild. I mean, Cleopatra, as we said, was being filmed in Rome. So according to Entertainment Weekly, a congresswoman from Georgia asked the Attorney General to block the stars from coming back into the country on the grounds of (laughs) undesirability. Then the Vatican newspaper printed an open letter taking Elizabeth Taylor to task for erotic vagrancy. Mm, Not great. And guys, you are about to be invited to your fifth wedding of this scandal series. Before we get to wedding number five, Zara, let's hear a word from today's sponsor. All right, Mish, so we've just covered that Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton are having this incredibly intense affair after meeting on the set of Cleopatra. But I want to have a quick conversation with you about Eddie Fisher and Elizabeth Taylor and whether it's really a big surprise that they didn't last. I mean, yes, we had the foreshadowing of Debbie Reynolds who said that Liz would dump him after 18 months. But I think surely one of the big reasons why Eddie and Liz's marriage didn't last is probably because the whole thing was born out of grief. Yeah, at least on Elizabeth's end, it was. It would be really interesting to know if Eddie Fisher had been in love with Elizabeth Taylor since before Mike Todd died. I think certainly according to the research that we've done, getting with Eddie Fisher was only an idea that popped into Elizabeth Taylor's head once she was grieving her husband. She did write in Life magazine, I let myself go into marriage with Eddie because I felt so sick and dead and cold after Mike's death. I felt I had loved and there would be nothing in my life like that again. But you have to try to survive, make contact with people. I really thought for some idiotic reason that Eddie needed me and I should make somebody happy. It turned out all we had in common was Mike, who'd be his best friend. It was untenable for both of us, I'm sure. It's such a shame that the collateral damage and all of this was Debbie Reynolds if they actually didn't have that much in common and there wasn't much love there in the first place. Like a lot of people's feelings were hurt, not just Debbie Reynolds, but the children from Debbie Reynolds' marriage, as well as the children from Elizabeth Taylor's. And it feels like there are a lot of victims for what was not worth it. Exactly. I mean, it didn't last that long. It clearly wasn't. Back to Elizabeth and Richard for a moment. What's interesting here is Richard eventually called off their affair. I mean, Liz wasn't the only one being unfaithful. Richard was actually also cheating on his wife, Sybil. He had been with her since 1949, so about 12 years by this point. Yeah, apparently Elizabeth Taylor was so upset with this news that Richard would be going back to his wife that she reportedly attempted suicide and was rushed to hospital. According to the New York Post, she tried to swallow a bottle of sleeping pills. When she was released, she once again tried to take her life and that was when Richard Burden turned around and said, actually, I do want to be with you. Yeah, quite a dramatic, incredibly dramatic start to their, I guess, proper relationship. So, They officially get together outside of having affairs as a proper couple and on March 5, 1964, so about five years after she actually first had this affair with Eddie Fisher, she was granted a divorce from him. 
Two days later, she jumped on a plane with Richard to Montreal. The timelines here are crazy to me. They're quick. Like, I know we're giving you guys very particular dates, but we've learnt that, like, between marriages ending and new ones beginning, there's normally only a handful of days, sometimes (laughs) a couple of weeks. So, yeah, two days later, she's on a plane with Richard going to Canada. Ten days later, after her divorce from Eddie, so March 15, 1964, She's getting married for the fifth time. Her and Richard are walking down the aisle. Liz is wearing a bright yellow dress with a huge collar, a thick crown of white flowers in her hair. Incredible stuff. The duo actually adopted a daughter called Maria and the press were absolutely obsessed with the couple. They called them Dick and Liz, like (laughs) Dick and Liz, Richard and Elizabeth. And according to gossip columnist Luelle Parsons, the publicity was enough that it ought to have killed them. I think the thing to know from the outset about this fifth marriage between Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor is this was probably, not even probably, this was the love of her life. Yeah, this was the love of her life. And it also came at a time in her life when her star was at its absolute apex, its absolute pinnacle. And she did capitalise on the publicity that she was receiving. She starred in 11 films alongside her husband, Richard Burden. They were in The Taming of the Shrew, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And in this purple patch, she also won her second Oscar for Best Actress. Richard, though, who didn't win at that Oscars ceremony, spoke to the press. And this is an interesting, interesting quote. And you and I do not know what to make of it. Yeah, so... Elizabeth won this Oscar. Richard was also in that film. He didn't win an Oscar. And he told the press, and this quote is worded a little strangely, so bear with us. She won the Oscar for it, he said bitterly, and I didn't, he said equally bitterly. So that whole quote is his, which speaks to me (laughs) that he's trying to sort of make light of it by sort of taking the piss out of himself or how he would be quoted? Well, I think this quote for me, I mean, we touched on earlier how he had this kind of slightly pompous, slightly arrogant public reputation. And I think that quote, which is very meta, speaks to him trying to outsmart the interviewers or like observe the situation he's in rather than just be in the situation. Yeah. It's like you guys will observe that I'm bitter about this. Therefore, I'm going to quote you (laughs) as if you're quoting me. Incredibly confusing. (laughs) The New York Times reflecting on Elizabeth's life after she died did write, it seemed like a meeting or a collision of opposites. The most famous movie star in the world and the man many believed to be the finest classical actor of his generation. What they had in common was an extraordinary passion for each other and for living life to the fullest. Living life to the fullest is exactly right. Theirs was a life of total excess. According to the New York Times, Elizabeth and Richard, and I quote, owned mansions in various countries, rented entire floors of hotels and spent lavishly on cars, art and jewellery, particularly massive diamonds, Zara. According to that book, Furious Love, Richard Burden used a $1.25 million check as a bookmark. (laughs) He also reportedly bought a $960,000 jet plane on a whim after they flew on it to Paris. They also own paintings by Monet, Picasso, everyone you could possibly think of. (laughs) And when Liz wasn't allowed to take her dogs to London because of quarantine rules, they leased a yacht for the dogs for $20,000 and moored it on the Thames. Love that for them. They also became known not just as the couple who live life to the fullest, but the couple who have explosive volcanic public fights. I mean, so notorious were they for this explosive nature that they earned themselves the nickname the Battling Burtons. So I think an interesting thread here in some of Elizabeth's relationship, I mean, we know with her third husband, Mike Todd, who was one of the great loves of her life, it was an incredibly passionate, if a little toxic, dare I say, the argument's a little toxic. And it seems quite similarly that her fifth marriage with Richard Burden, equally as passionate, if not far more passionate, is also dogged by great fights. I mean, it's so interesting. In that Life magazine piece, she actually wrote that or gave that interview at the time when her and Richard were together and very much in love. And she said, Richard, unless he wants to divorce me, will never be divorced by me. Interesting. According to the New York Post from that time, Burton was writing in his diary, 
Liz is a wildly exciting love mistress. She is shy and witty. She is nobody's fool. She is a brilliant actress. She is beautiful beyond the dreams of pornography. And I'll love her till I die. He has an interesting quote. <laughs> beautiful beyond the dreams of pornography. <sighs> so romantic. I mean, <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor once said, as quoted in Furious Love, Richard loses his temper with true enjoyment. It's beautiful to watch. Our fights are delightful screaming matches and Richard is rather like a small atom bomb going off. Mm, He told the Daily Mirror of their fights, we live out for the benefit of the mob the sort of idiocies they've come to expect. We will often pitch a battle purely for the exercise. I will accuse her of being ugly. She will accuse me of being a talentless son of a bitch and this sort of frightens people. I love arguing with Elizabeth except when she is in the nude. Again, it's this meta thing of like, we're not actually doing this. We're doing this as part of performance art or like the theatrics of life. And on top of that, we find it really titillating to do so. Even Elizabeth's description of it's a true enjoyment. It's beautiful to watch his temper erupt. Like, Who talks and thinks that way? Yeah, it's an interesting way to go about your relationship, I guess. I mean, Other things did start to go wrong in their relationship, though, and Liz and Richard both really struggled with personal addictions. As explored in Furious Love, Liz was addicted to pills while Richard really struggled with alcoholism. Yeah, it also didn't help that Richard once again strayed from his marriage. He did have an affair with French actress Natalie Delon. According to Furious Love, Richard and Natalie met the exact same way he met Liz. They were on a movie set, they were filming Bluebeard, and he flirted with everyone on the set but really took a liking to Natalie Delon and they engaged in a sexual affair. Yeah, so apparently the two were rehearsing a night scene in which they were walking down a street and turned a corner and once they were out of sight, they abandoned the director and the crew, got into Richard's Rolls Royce and made off together into the night. Liz apparently caught word about what happened at about 5am, called Richard's hotel and demanded he get that woman out of my bed. Yeah, so after almost a decade together, the battling burdens divorced in 1974. In announcing their split in a joint press release, Elizabeth wrote, maybe we loved each other too much. The split, however, was quite fleeting, Michelle. (laughs) The split didn't last very long. So fast forward a year, Zara, and we're back where we left off. Yeah, so a year after the divorce, Liz and Richard decide to give the marriage another shot. However, in between his divorce and remarriage to (laughs) Elizabeth Taylor... Richard was also engaged to another woman, Princess Elizabeth of Yugoslavia, just as a funny side note. Just a royal family member, if you don't mind. So they married again. They remarried in a mud hut village in Botswana on October 10, 1975. Liz wore a rainbow coloured dress adorned with tiny feathers. It didn't last. No. (laughs) They were separated again a few months later in February. So it was, what, five months, if that, and had divorced by July. So not a lot of time between separation and divorce as well. Like I think Mm. we know from today it can take years for people to divorce properly, but these two divorced in three months. So marry quick, divorce quick. Yeah, and it really does remind you of The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, that book we touched on in the intro of the first episode of this Scandal series. To have one man be your husband twice is very reminiscent of that plotline and Richard was that for Elizabeth Taylor. She did write in her autobiography, which was quoted in People, even though there were rough times, I wouldn't give up one minute of my time with Richard Burden. Richard actually died of cerebral hemorrhage in 1984 at the age of 58. So they never really had time to properly rekindle or to see if their love, you know, had anything else to give. That was about nine years after they divorced for the Mm. second time. After they divorced, he actually moved on with two other women. He had married twice again. And Liz always kind of thought they were going to get back together. She told the authors of Furious Love, in my heart, I will always believe we would have been married a third and final time. From those first moments in Rome, we were always madly and powerfully in love. Yeah, weirdly enough, it does seem like Richard Burden felt the same. In 1984, three days before he suddenly died, and keep in mind, yes, he's married to another woman at this point, he wrote a love letter to Elizabeth Taylor. 
she didn't receive the love letter because by the point he was going to send it to her, he was dead. Yeah, she only actually got the letter when she'd returned home after attending his funeral and according to Furious Love, it was his final letter to her. It was a love letter to Elizabeth and in it he told her what he wanted. Home was where Elizabeth was and he wanted to come home. I mean, these two are very dysfunctional. I know. God, that hit me in the heart. So toxic, so dysfunctional and yet (laughs) such beautiful lines. So back to the 1970s though. So Elizabeth's just split from her fifth husband, right, Mish? Or I guess her Fifth and sixth. Yeah, I don't even know how to (laughs) say it anymore. It was her fifth and sixth marriage. She meets another guy. Bit of a different one for her, for old mate Elizabeth. Look, if you're going to have eight marriages, why not get some diversity in there? In December 1976, Liz shocked Hollywood when she married her brand new boyfriend, Republican politician John Warner. They got married in a Presbyterian church in Richmond, Virginia. So according to the Washington Post, Liz apparently spent more and more time in Washington in 1976. As you do. Yeah. The (laughs) rumour was that she was actually dating the Iranian ambassador to the US. Apparently he put an end to their relationship though, leaving Liz, who was 44 at the time, without a date to Queen Elizabeth II's upcoming (laughs) dinner at the British Embassy. So I think Elizabeth wanted to go to this dinner and anyway, John Warner, the Republican politician, was supposedly asked to be her escort. So she kind of went on this blind date to the ball. A blind date that paid off. I mean, apparently things started quite awkwardly as they often do on blind dates. John came around to Elizabeth Taylor's hotel room driving himself in his own car, which for high society circles is not really the done thing. She was apparently quite shocked by the fact that he would be driving alongside her. Yeah, exactly. I mean, apparently they bonded over horses. (laughs) I mean, he grew up on a horse farm will remember that Liz grew up riding horses and did actually make a name for herself in the film National Velvet, which was about a little girl trying to win a horse competition. So, Mm. I mean, I'm not going to judge how people bond. (laughs) In true politician style, he proposed to Liz Taylor with an engagement ring of red, white and blue jewels. That would be the colours of the American flag. And I tell you what, I'd be saying no if someone gave me a green and gold engagement ring. (laughs) Yeah, oh my God. Aussie, 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 Aussie. (laughs) At the wedding, she wore a lavender cashmere dress, a fur-lined coat and a matching headpiece. And basically overnight, she became a politician's wife and used her star power to help elect her husband to the US Senate in 1979. Yeah, she really did play an active role in him winning that campaign. Although once the campaign was over and John was elected as senator... She reportedly grew quite lonely and quite isolated out on their Virginia farm. Yeah, so she later said that she was the loneliest person in the world during their relationship. She said, after Richard, the men in my life were just there to hold the coat to open the door. All the men after Richard were really just company. Yeah, and feeling that loneliness is when Elizabeth Taylor's drinking, which was already an issue. We talked about that in the Battling Burdens era. It ramped up heavily. Despite this, she was trying to keep her career under control. In 1981, she took a role in a Broadway production called The Little Foxes and the following year was touring overseas in London. So you can imagine all of this travel put a pretty big strain on her marriage with John. I mean, John was already commuting back and forth from Virginia to Washington like so many politicians do commute. And he often said that he would go up to see her every weekend in New York, but that got even harder when she was touring in London. So John told people about their split. Finally, we just said, hey, let's always remain good friends, but let's take the legal part and go our separate ways. Surprisingly, this marriage lasted like three times the length of her marriages to Eddie Fisher (laughs) or to Mike Todd. They were together for six years. And Liz told the New York Times in 2002, he knows he wasn't the love of my life and I know I wasn't the love of his life, but we loved each other. We got along wonderfully until he decided to be a politician and then he married the Senate. That's marriage seven. (laughs) That is marriage seven. It is probably no huge surprise that Liz then was pretty quick to move on from her marriage to John. She had two engagements simultaneously, Mish. In 1983, she became engaged to Mexican lawyer Victor Luna. They called off their engagement in August 1984, about a year later, the same month that Elizabeth's great love, Richard Burton, died. Yeah, her publicist at the time did insist the decision was not linked to Richard Burton's death. She said that they were already split and that they just hadn't announced it publicly yet. But 
I don't know, reading between the lines, it would make sense. You come home, you get this love letter from the man that you always considered to be the great love of your life. Maybe you shouldn't be engaged to a lawyer by the name of Victor Luna anymore. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're doing long distance between Mexico and LA. And then once again after that, she did throw herself into another relationship. She had a whirlwind two-month romance with a businessman by the name of Dennis Stein. He proposed to Liz at the end of 1984, but they too had called off their relationship and their engagement by February 1985. You can date without getting married. Like you can. But why not? Pretty rings, (laughs) commitment. You can date for longer than a couple of months. Like I wish I could sit Elizabeth Taylor down and be like, try this one for a year. Try before you buy and then get engaged after a year. I'm sure people were. I'm also (laughs) sure she just didn't give a shit. (laughs) For much of the 1970s and 80s, Liz was deep in this struggle with alcohol and drug addiction. It was the month that she and Dennis announced that they had split and called off their engagement that she sat down with the New York Times. It was 1985 and it was a very candid interview where she spoke about how over the last 12 months, she had been admitted and had been staying in the bed Ford Centre for Drug and Alcohol Rehabilitation. Yeah, she told the New York Times, for 35 years I couldn't go to sleep without at least two sleeping pills and I'd always taken a lot of medication for pain. I'd had 19 major operations in my life and drugs had become a crutch. I wouldn't take them only when I was in pain. I was taking a lot of Percodin. I'd take Percodin and a couple of drinks before I would go out. I just felt I had to get stoned to get over my shyness. I needed oblivion escape. I needed oblivion and escape. She went to the centre for seven weeks. She actually shared a room with a stranger and took daily AA meetings. Speaking to a reporter in 1985, she did read out excerpts of the journal that she was keeping while at the centre, which read, I am not alone. There are people here just like me who are suffering just like me, who hurt inside and out just like me, people I've learned to love. It's an experience unlike any other I've ever known. It wouldn't be an easy road to recovery like we know with many addicts. Mm. Like it's often a really tough road to recovery. Liz actually relapsed and returned to the Betty Ford Centre in 1989 to treat her drug addiction and it was there where she met her seventh husband in her eighth marriage, Larry Fortensky. Now, Larry and Liz were an unlikely duo. It was an unlikely romance. Mm. Unlike Liz's previous suitors who were the Hollywood elite, political players, wealthy businessmen, Larry came from a much more working class background. He was a construction worker, a high school dropout and 20 years younger than Liz. He was at the centre to treat an alcohol addiction after being involved in a drink driving incident. Yeah, and they bonded really, really quickly. Larry told the Daily Mail, Liz was funny and sweet and the more I got to know her, the sweeter she became. Of course, she was very pretty and I wasn't too bad looking in those days either. We had an instant physical attraction. And that was shared by Liz too in an interview. She said, Larry knew I could see through him and I knew he could see through me, so it was elemental. It should be noted by this point in her life, Liz wasn't just a crazy successful actress. She was also making bank via (laughs) perfume. Yeah. Now, she was like the OG celebrity scent kind of entrepreneur. So she created her own collection of fragrances in collaboration with Elizabeth Arden and she launched two best-selling perfumes, Passion in 1987 and White Diamonds in 1991. Passion, White Diamonds, two of the great threads of Elizabeth Taylor's life. Well, this is what I find interesting as well. Again, it reminds me a little bit of Kim Kardashian creating a perfume around her wedding to Chris Humphreys. Like a lot of the PR around these two women, although we think of them very differently when we look back through history, in my mind is kind of similar, like not that dissimilar at all. And I think Elizabeth Taylor definitely leveraged this reputation as a woman who is in love with love to sell perfume and it worked for her. Yeah, absolutely. So Liz and Larry got married two years after they met at the Betty Ford Centre. So they married in 1991. They got married at Michael Jackson's Neverland Valley Ranch in California. 
amongst Michael Jackson's giraffes, zebras and llamas. Yeah, the Washington Post remarked that the cream-coloured wedding invitation actually came from Michael Jackson himself and it read, reportedly, Mr Michael Jackson requests the pleasure of your company at the marriage of his beloved friend, Miss Elizabeth Taylor, to Mr Larry Fortensky. Now, the press were not invited to this. They did do everything they could to try and catch a glimpse. It was deemed by the Washington Post to be the Hollywood wedding of the year, which is interesting because by this point in her life, Liz was in her late 50s, about to be in her 60s. So it really does speak to just how much of a name she was in Hollywood that even at 59, she was commanding the most attention. Yeah, and also with an eighth wedding. Mm -hmm. Like the press were never fatigued of Elizabeth Taylor's weddings, which I just find remarkable and so incredible. At least 12 helicopters incessantly circled the sky and they were, as we can presume, full of photographers and cameramen trying to catch a glimpse. Liz wore a yellow princess floor-length dress and was escorted down the aisle by her son, Michael Wilding Jr., At the end of the aisle, Larry stood waiting, wearing a white tux designed by Gianni Versace. If you don't mind, a Versace suit. Earlier that year, Liz Taylor was quoted saying, I always said I would get married one more time and with God's blessings, this is it forever. Wedding photos were sold worldwide with proceeds going to AIDS Research Mish, which at this point in her life was a cause that Liz had dedicated a lot of time to raising money and awareness for. And even though Liz said, with God's blessing, this is it forever, five years later, in October 1996, Liz and Larry divorced. Yeah, Liz explained to People magazine that Larry had, and I quote, stopped working and that you can't have love without respect. Yeah, interesting tidbits to come up after their divorce because over the following years, estranged family members and others told the press that Larry had begged his ex-wife for money Mm. and they spread rumours that she had shunned his calls and had never really loved him during their eight-year relationship. Eight years is so long. For Liz Taylor, it's very long as well. Like to say that she wasn't in love with him and they were together for almost a decade feels a bit shallow. Surely. I guess Liz wasn't wrong because even though she said this wasn't forever, she also said one more time and this Mm. was her last marriage. She never married again after that. She died on March 23, 2011 at the age of 79, so about 20 years after her last wedding. Yeah, she was being treated for symptoms of congestive heart failure right before she died. In a statement, her son Michael Wilding called her, and I quote, an extraordinary woman who lived life to the fullest. We know quite simply that the world is a better place for mum having lived in it. He continued, her legacy will never fade, her spirit will always be with us, and her love will live forever in our hearts. Again, that idea of Elizabeth Taylor was a woman who loved love. Yeah, she actually outlived five of her seven husbands. So what actually happened in the time between, you know, her last film and her last marriage and her death? I mean, there was this incredible profile once Elizabeth Taylor had passed of her life, but particularly around what they called her third act, which was what she did in the years before she died. And they said her third act would turn out to be a worthy coda to a life so extravagantly lived and her legacy may finally rest as much on the accomplishments of her last decade as on the fiery years of her early film stardom. With her fabled beauty and her film career behind her, she could at last turn her attention to humanitarian and creative ventures. Yeah, what Liz Taylor did for AIDS in particular was incredible and extraordinary. The death of her friend and co-star Rock Hudson from AIDS in 1985 propelled Liz Taylor to help found AMFA, which was the foundation for AIDS research. And by the time she died in 2011, AMFA had ploughed nearly $325 million into AIDS programs across the world. Yeah, exactly. Also, when Vanity Fair touched on those creative ventures, yes, we're talking about the perfume. When Elizabeth died, she left a fortune estimated to be at about a billion dollars, much of it from her perfume empire. How incredible is that? Her jewels alone also were worth about 150 million bucks. <laughs> I wonder if she kept all the engagement rings. Yeah, and like imagine if you could get all the dresses together. Apparently the first dress has definitely been sold. We could find that. But imagine if you could get every dress and every engagement ring 
back together. What a collection of celebrity history that would be. Huge. When she died, her old friend Debbie Reynolds gave a statement to The Hollywood Reporter. She called Elizabeth Taylor the most glamorous and sexual star of our generation. No one else could equal Elizabeth's beauty and sexuality. Women liked her and men adored her and her love for her children is enduring. Mm. I love that those two kind of made up before she died. I mean, they had perhaps not as close a relationship as they once did, but they definitely had a relationship. And Debbie Reynolds was asked many, many times after she died for her comment on Elizabeth Taylor and just had glowing, incredible things to say about this larger-than-life character. Yeah, it was really nice to read that right up until Elizabeth Taylor's death, they would have phone calls, not every day, not even every month, but they would have phone calls throughout the year to catch up and kind of talk about old times, which I think, again, is testament to who Debbie Reynolds is, but also who Elizabeth Taylor is, that yes, she's a woman who made countless mistakes in her love life. Yes, she hurt people, but there was something so electric and charismatic about her that even the people she hurt couldn't help but notice all of the positive things about her. Yeah, felt very much like she could reel people in, right, and and keep them close. In 1964, Liz wrote in that Life magazine piece that no one will believe it and I guess I don't blame them, but I think I ended up being the scarlet woman partly because of my rather puritanical upbringing and beliefs. At first, I guess I didn't know what was love and what was not. I always chose to think I was in love and that love was synonymous with marriage. I couldn't just have romance. It had to be marriage. Mm, Later on in her life when she was asked again why she had married so often, Liz Taylor reportedly replied, I don't know, honey. It sure beats the hell out of me. I love that quote because I think so many people will want to do all of this sort of excavation work and working out. Why? Why? But also, who cares? Like, Yeah, why is, the hell not? Yeah, <laughs> very much so. Like, why the hell not? It was an incredibly big life that she lived, both on screen and off screen. And like, why not make the off screen life as big as the on screen ones, if not mm. bigger? Like... I want to see a modern-day Hello Sunshine production of Elizabeth Taylor's life. <laughs> yes! Reese Witherspoon, if you're listening, give <laughs> yeah. this to us. <laughs> she does listen. <laughs> and that's the story of Elizabeth Taylor's eight marriages, Mish. And what a life it was. The stuff that Liz Taylor fit into one lifetime is just wild. And we are so, so happy that we were able to bring you this story and to recount these years because, my goodness, a lot happened. So much happened. Guys, thank you so much for listening and big thank you to our Reese researcher Justine Landis Hanley who researched this with help from you and I Mish we have loved bringing this one to you we are super excited for the next one we're bringing next Monday which I will I don't know keep a secret I think until then (laughs) if you want to support the show click follow on Spotify or subscribe on Apple podcast if you are feeling especially generous leave us a five-star review Mish anything else no just have a look at all the throwback galleries on our Instagram page at shameless podcast we will have the wedding gallery up you guys can vote on your favorite wedding dress on our stories can't wait see you over there yeah see you on Thursday for our weekly pop culture wrap bye Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.